Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Uh, it's uh, it's good to hear your voice again, man. You know, <laughs> after being quarantined in my apartment with my same two roommates, I, I feel like I can just kind of predict my everyday daily routine at this point. You know, like I just know what's going to happen. I work, we get off, my buddy gets his, his snack from the kitchen, they sit down, they play MLB The Show, the new one, nice. and then they get frustrated at that. They play NHL, get frustrated at that, give up. I play Call of Duty. I also get frustrated at that, and then we call it a night. And that's pretty much how you know our evenings have gone up until this point. What What are video games other than ways to make us frustrated and know our own limitations? Exactly, except I don't know my own limitations, <laughs> and I continue to play them anyways, thinking I'm better than I really am. Uh, good old video games. Hey, we got to do something while we're all inside all the time. Um, and speaking of something that you can do inside while you got all this time, you can leave us a Apple Podcast five star rating and a review, which four people did since our last episode. We got four new ratings. We got three new reviews. Um, all very short. Exactly how we said you could do it. We got Perfect. subject line cool. Appreciate you all and thumbs up um, with requests to continue making podcasts. So here we are doing more podcasts because that's what the people want. That is what the people want and we will give it to them and shout out to those people. You know, I know there's one of you sitting there right now like, I don't need to do it. Like, I'm busy. I just take you're not your busy. phone. You're, you're not, not busy. busy. You're listening to us. If you're listening to us, you're definitely not busy. I know I'm, I'm talking to you, Sarah. I'm sure there's like a Sarah who's listening. <laughs> She's probably like, oh my gosh, they know me. Uh, so yeah, I'm talking to you, Sarah. Go leave us a review. Um, but yeah, th- thank you to those who did and who have so far. Uh, it's super appreciated. And uh, the March to 50 continues. Absolutely. We're almost there. We could definitely uh, get it done by this time next week. So let's let's shoot for that. But Let's move on to uh, the topics of the week. We had some breaking news hit during the week. Wisconsin announced that they would not be allowing their seniors to return next year, even though the NCAA granted seniors an extra season of eligibility due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Wisconsin might not be alone in this. We heard that the ACC uh, also is thinking about uh, enforcing a scholarship, uh, the scholarship limit, not going over the set scholarship limit, which the NCAA said was going to be okay to do next year. Some big, big stuff. The We, we felt like dominoes were going to start falling, and they finally did this past week. They absolutely did. And, and this was, you know, this was something that had been spoken about and talked about earlier you know like this this had been kind of in the works and it was just a matter of which one was going to fall first i can promise you that wisconsin is not the only one that will do this Um, i feel extremely confident saying that the acc this is all very preliminary it's all very early on no decision has been finalized but there are discussions from multiple multiple sources that i've talked to i i think i've i can't remember talking to that many sources for one singular story and the conversation is, is that, yeah, the ACC is considering limiting the scholarships back to the original limits for track and field of 18 and 12.6. Um, now, some universities within the ACC um, are saying, 
yeah, that'd be great. That's fine. But other sources I've spoken to have said, we're fine. We're willing to give our returning seniors their fulfillment of their scholarship. So it, it's a, a tug of war, if you will. And it's beginning to become kind of, you know, this difficult balance of what's eventually going to end up happening. So just, just to clarify, this has not happened yet. I think a lot of people maybe misunderstood or maybe read a little bit too fast through our, our article and began freaking out a little bit, but <laughs> it's still, still in the, in the early stages. But um, I, I feel pretty confident that, you know, this is with all the other things that are being spoken about, this is uh, I think just the the tip of the iceberg for what will be a catalysmic uh, shift in, uh, in in the coming months. Well, we're talking about Wisconsin announcing this. We're not talking about some smaller Power Five school or like a, a big non-Power Five school saying that they're not going to allow their seniors to return. We're, I mean, Wisconsin is a big program and they have a ton of different sports. They compete at a high level across many different sports in the Big Ten and are one of the best teams in the country when it comes to cross country uh, and distance track and field. And if they're already putting that out there, I think you're absolutely right. You've obviously talked to many sources that can confirm that other schools and other conferences are thinking about this. But even without talking to anybody, if Wisconsin is willing to do this, how much more likely are some lower level schools who aren't bringing in nearly as much money uh, more more than likely to follow their lead? Yeah, see, and that's a really interesting thought process. But at least from the sources that I've spoken to, um, like I can tell you straight up that University of New Orleans, the New Orleans Track and Field Program, they've already announced that they will honor their scholarships in full. Um, and I can tell you that there's another program within the Power Five that you know, maybe not the monstrous revenue driving powerhouse that a Wisconsin is, but I can tell you that they are saying we are willing to to honor the scholarships. So I I would have thought the same thing and thinking, well, where's your revenue even coming from to get this money? Is it coming from endowments? Where is this coming from? Um, and, and yet I'm finding that it's maybe, maybe the bigger schools that are potentially in in a little bit more of a of a puzzle there, so it's it's really really interesting. It's it's a dynamic that I didn't currently expect right now. Um, it's it's odd. It's it, nothing is ever you know not odd nowadays. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just one of those things where you don't really you can't really explain one thing over the other. And as we've mentioned, this got a huge reaction. I mean, there was there's a lot of people. Um, prominent coaches uh, speaking out against uh, Wisconsin's actions here, uh, basically criticizing Wisconsin uh, for not living up to their ideals of um, putting the student athletes first. And it's surprising to me, like you said, there's uh, schools like New Orleans who are willing to, whether it's bite the bullet or rearrange funds to allow their athletes to come back and yet there's going to be plenty of schools that probably will not want to face that kind of crisis because um, it would just be too painful uh, financially or pain- too painful in terms of uh, costing themselves and other and other avenues. I, I don't I don't really know. As an athlete myself, I would hate it 
if my school told me, and I'm in a very similar situation, I had my last season of outdoor track coming up this uh, coming spring. And if my school told me I wouldn't be allowed to use that next year, I, I would be extremely frustrated, especially if I knew that they had the funds to do so. Um, and so I think we're we're probably just beginning to see the start of the outrage um, that may continue to build as more and more schools announce this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I get it because I'm so, so torn uh, on this, you know, on one hand, exactly like you said, I'd be so frustrated. I committed all that time to my university. I'm willing to come back. I'm willing to fight and race and represent my university at a high level. Um, but unfortunately, they don't want to honor the scholarship originally given. Yeah, that, that'd be difficult. That would be um, very, very frustrating. And I don't blame you or any athletes for that. At the same time, I begin to question, well, NCAA March Madness tournament money is out the window. That is a massive, massive revenue driver for a lot of universities. That is no longer there. And not only that, but the conference money as well from the right. conference tournaments, that's no longer there as well. That is a really, really large, massive financial hit that some universities are taking. And not only that, but the idea that football could be canceled. I mean, you again, you want to talk about lack of funds. Some universities, the only way that they even flip a profit is just through the football season alone. And if someone wants to tell me, well, don't worry, you're going to have football season still. But what if there's not a vaccine? I mean, are we really going to sit? 80,000 people in a stadium, you know, are we going to be able to, to sell that many tickets? And that's where things get really tricky. Cause not only that, now you have to reimburse some students for their housing. Now you're not getting uh, dining money uh, from the university for the uh, second semester. Now, you know, there's, there's a plethora of different reasons why you're not maintaining the scholarship money. So now that said, university of Wisconsin has a $3 billion endowment. <laughs> So I don't know what they're doing with that money. It's not really my place to say, but I'm I'm very, very back and forth here. So I, I understand the cautionary aspects, but at the same time, I'm saying, well, what really, what is the magnitude of this financial scale and really how much has to be put towards there? Because not only that, Ben, the real question that I always come back to at every one of these podcasts is how many of these seniors are even coming back? Right. I mean, if, if they're not coming back, it's a moot point. Then who cares at that point, right? Yeah, and I especially if we're talking about track uh, athletes, especially distance athletes who maybe were more focused on cross country, they already finished up their fall sport. It it would have been hard for me to imagine that. Like we said, I, I think our percent that we said would return has fluctuated from anywhere from like 3% to 10% when we've asked people uh, who write for the Stride Report and I think other people have said similar kind of numbers. And so at the end of the day, like how much is this really, would this really have cost uh, all these other programs? And, and like you said, like Wisconsin is the one that stands out because they have the money. If it was a smaller school, you, you understand, but um, it's just, and I guess the argument could be made that Wisconsin so relies on uh, NCAA and NCAA tournament and uh, football money because they do very well in both of those categories. The Big Ten obviously accrues plenty of points as they play, uh, as they put many teams in the NCAA tournament, and Wisconsin does very well in football, so they may be more dependent on those funds than your average school. But, like, is this really going to cost everybody an arm and a leg if only 
three to five percent of of seniors are actually going to return. Right, and you know, so it's yeah. I saw like in the in the article, thirty five Badger seniors uh, would have been impacted, but again, those are just the ones that you know was those are just the ones that could have come back. That's not even saying that all of them will. Right. So yeah, it's you know, you take a look at some of the numbers and you find it difficult to say. Man, really? Did that the, the endowment money not work? But again, I I don't want to say I, I can't say for sure because I'm not in that I'm not a I'm not a CFO I'm not in that budget office um, I don't know and you know so I'm just taking a look at the article now um, you know around 15 percent of the annual athletics revenue for uh, Wisconsin comes from football ticket sales and more comes from uh, football heavy media deals. So it is a heavy chunk from football, from football yeah. alone. And then you take out the NCAA tournament money from March Madness and the Big Ten. It will be a massive, massive hit for Wisconsin. This is going to be a um, it's going to be a pretty big hit for sure. So you you mentioned and I want to hone in on this a little bit more because we haven't talked about it very much. So if we're looking at, all right, we reopen the economy in the summer and we're kind of, we're chugging along, not normal, but close to normal. And, and we hit August and September and these sport leagues are trying to open up and NCAA football is starting and NCAA cross country is about to start. How are we how is that all going to move forward if, like you said, we don't have a vaccine and people can still catch this? If someone catches it, like, let's say, NCAA football player or cross-country runner, like, does that just shut everything down like it, it did with Rudy Gobert and the NBA? Are we just going to be trying to plow forward and get through as much as we can? Well, I, I'm just very curious, like you said, are we really going to put 80,000 people into one football stadium? Like, is that really, is that really something that we think is going to be a reality in this next like 10 to 12 months? Um, yeah. I, I just struggle with that. Yeah. I, and I don't blame you. I think and that's, that's really the big, big question that I think everyone's having right now. You know, what really, how are we going to react to this a few months down the line? And no one knows. No one knows. And that, you know, that's kind of the reality of the situation. No one knows how this is going to play out. Uh, you know, you can talk to any high level individual you want. No one knows. This has never happened. It's a global pandemic. No one's been alive since the last massive global pandemic. And I mean, you know, not just the swine flu, right? Like, right. you know, it's it's one of those instances. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's difficult. Uh, I, I guess we'll we'll have to try to figure out that balance on our own. But um, I, I do question whether or not you're going to be able to put seats in the stadium. And not only that, but let's say our social distancing does work. And in some respects and in some areas, it looks like we're coming down from that peak or at least, you know, reaching the height of it. We're maybe from the limited information I have, we're kind of at that yeah. point. But if, if whenever we, like you just said, whenever we go back outside and whenever we attend these events, there will be a spike again. That is kind of an accepted fact within the science community right now. There will be another spike, but it's a matter of how do we approach that spike and how do you, you know, attend to that. And I'll tell you, that spike is expected to come in October. Yeah. So <laughs> that's smack dab in the middle of football and cross country and everything else season. So um, I, I guess we'll wait and see, but I, I struggle to figure out how that's all going to happen. Yeah, it's going to be the return of 
duel and tr- uh, tri meets. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of local. I, I, that's one thing I'm actually anticipating. There will be a lot of, lot more local races. Um, I, I think we could see a lot of teams choosing to drive short distances and compete in smaller races just as a pre, like just as a safety measure. Because, like you said, the spike is probably going to come again once we reopen, and if it does. We want to be at least contained to our own area as much as we can. Yeah. So um, I I guess we'll wait and see. But I I can tell you to everyone who's listening, buckle up, because this is really only the beginning of it. If people thought that what we reported on was crazy, I I feel extremely confident that we will be reporting some much crazier things uh, in the future, um, which is you know, not exactly um, something I'm excited to say, but no. um, it's uh, bu- buckle up. We- we've got a whole lot more coming um, if if this gets to the point that we think it will. I mean, it it feels like it's we've been doing this for so long, and it's only yeah. been a month. <laughs> like it's been a month, and it feels like it's been forever. It, yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's rough. But why don't we move on to some maybe less depressing news? <laughs> and uh, we had a big transfer announced uh, this week. Hannah Steelman from Wofford University to NC State, joining what could be a juggernaut NC State Wolfpack team if uh, cross country goes as planned in the fall. They are losing their top running, runner in Ellie Hennes, but after that, the recruiting class that they're bringing in, the their returning runners. NC State is going to be an absolutely loaded team and Steelman just I mean another another wild card just thrown in there uh, all-American this past year finishing 23rd in cross country I I don't I we haven't really talked about next fall very much but NC State is just making me think of the the many possibilities in the fall of this uh, in in the next few months yeah, they're going to be really, really good. It's going to be insane because I think we were all kind of maybe sort of flirting with the idea that they could be in the title conversation once they kind of finalize that recruiting class. But now you're adding an established, consistent uh, veteran top scorer to your team who has proven to be exceptional at the national championships. I mean, she has been great. She's been a four-time All-American between cross-country and track. Uh, she's got a 907 3K PR, I think a... Uh, 946 uh, steeplechase PR, 1552 5K PR. She was 23rd at nationals. Uh, funny enough, one spot behind uh, Kelsey Schmiel, uh, NC State's top freshman this past year. So, now teammate. Um, yeah, now teammate. So, at that point, you add in Steelman, you add in uh, Schmiel, you add in Tui, who we think could probably be right in the mix with them. And you probably take a look at all of this incredible young depth that's still kind of in the works. Um, it gets it gets to be a pretty crazy good squad. Now, my question is, is that can they find a fourth All-American? They, they really historically, you look at some of these teams, you really probably need close to four-ish or at least, you know, someone on the verge of a fourth All-American to really kind of be put in that title conversation. Stanford's still going to be really good. Stanford's going to be really, really good. They lose O'Keefe. Um, who was a, a really strong hitter for them last year. And they lose, lose Christina Aragon, who truthfully really didn't have much of an impact for them anyways throughout most of the postseason. So 
Stanford's really not too far off. You know, it, if anything, you can make the argument that Stanford is probably just as good. Um, I know that this is, probably sounds an awful like what we said this past year <laughs> for Stanford and NAU men, but um, Steelman now at least makes this a, a very tightly and interesting conversation. Um, she is going to be a key front runner that they absolutely needed. And I think that this kind of solidifies the idea that NC State will probably go all in this year. I would be surprised if they'd redshirt to a year of Starlipper or anything like that, because if there's a year for them to win, this is going to be the year. Absolutely. It, this NC State, NC State team actually reminds me a lot of the Stanford men uh, going into last year. They lost their best runner and yet are going to be much better, it looks like, in the following year. And I, you mentioned who, do you th- who can be that fourth All-American. I mean, Dominique Claremont was 54th last year. Um, mm-hmm. Based off of just the returners, she's probably projected in the top 40. Um, I think Starlipper is a good bet to maybe not be an All-American, but certainly has the potential. 907-3K, uh, second at Foot, Foot Locker and fifth at NXN. If we're talking about one of the uh, how high freshmen can finish, I mean, we think Tui can probably be top 10, top 15. I think we've just seen between Smart and Vanderland that freshman and uh, Schmiel that you can walk right in out of high school and be an All-American, even if you aren't like the top runner in your class. Um, So I really think Starlipper is another one. um, But between her and Claremont, I feel good that NC State will have that fourth uh, All-American. Absolutely. Yeah. I think Julia Zachko is another name, yep. a senior who's returning, veteran proven. Savannah Shaw has been pretty consistent this past indoor season. Excuse me, season. She finished 21st at ACC's. Like there's just, there's so many options. Nevada Marino, like all of these women, and there's just endless amounts of depth. And it's kind of to the point where it's like someone really talented is going to get left off of this national lineup. Someone's going to get kicked out of that top seven. Um, so they have the depth there, they have the options, they have the runners, but it's a matter of, can they topple the firepower, uh, that Stanford has with Donahue and Jessica Lawson and might continue to have with Julia Haymock and, and other improving runners and Jordan Oaks, because that's a lot of firepower. Um, and so we'll, we'll have to wait and see kind of how that, that plays out. But, um, I, I think both of these teams are very solidly set, but I just don't know what other kind of program would be able to sneak in there and maybe put their uh you know name in the hat at least just not yet yeah i mean it's it's hard to project forward without like florida state yeah florida state i think it is also gonna be pretty good as well yeah 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 certainly um especially since we don't have an outdoor track season to be able to evaluate a lot of these runners and be able to say oh they're they're on the rise they they took their what they did in the fall and the winter and just really are are capitalizing on that and continuing to improve we just we just don't have that um and i i think a lot of with nc state is going to be what does this really really good recruiting class how effective are they going to be because if we're talking about tui being the only one in their top five i i don't know if they're good enough but i think if you throw in another freshman or two who's able to contribute to the top five top seven for this team which is very realistic. This is an outstanding freshman class. Then I think we're talking about them having enough firepower to compete with the Stanford and, and other top schools. 
because they have the top three. We think they'll have the top three. It's just whether or not it, they can find that fourth or fifth. And I think the freshman is probably where they would find that extra firepower. Agreed. I think there's a lot more um, upside there, right. if you will, with, with the freshman. And we saw that with Schmiel. We saw that with Vanderlyn. We saw that with Melanie Smart last year. There's The women, I, I feel, and maybe this is just, just a hunch that I have based on some of the results that I always look over every year, but it just feels like the younger women thrive much faster um, on the collegiate distance scene than maybe the men do. It seems yep. like if there's going to be you know young stars who stand out, it feels like the women are going to be capable of doing that a little bit more than the men. Um, so I guess we'll see. I, I would agree with you. I think ultimately it's not going to come down to how good Tui is, um, but I think it's ultimately just because we know how good she's going to be. Yeah. But I think it's ultimately going to come down to Starlipper and Claire Walters and Jenna Scholes and Corzo and Alyssa Hendricks. You know, how are those women going to impact this team? Um, who's going to get redshirted? Who's going to you know do well? You know, I, we just don't know. Um, and I think that's where the big X factor of this team lies. Yeah. And do you, do you think with the women, it's because they're going from 5k in high school to 6k in uh, college, whereas the men are going 5k in high school to 10k at nationals. Is, is that, is that the reason why you think women are so easily able to translate their high school success into collegiate success? Well, that's a really, really excellent point that I'm not going to lie. I truthfully never really thought about. But yeah, it makes sense, right? I mean, the men have to go up to a substantial distance, 8K for the regular season, 10K during championship season, twice the distance that they're usually racing in high school. Sometimes they're only racing three miles. And not only that, but, you know, the women, again, you want to go up to 1K, you're only going 1K, 5K to 6K, which really in in the grand scheme of things doesn't require a ton more base. And the more base you need, typically the more years you need the more right. years you need you know the more miles you need upon your body year over year over year and that's why you typically see the men's side the veterans the seniors and juniors um those are the guys typically you know dominating the upper echelon and it's the same thing for the women but you can see a lot more variability with young talent on the women's side um so i, I would have to say that's probably a great point that i truthfully never thought about but uh, yeah, I, th- I think you make a heck of a point there. Probably it's the the distance change, and, and there's probably some physiological um, difference as well in terms of, of course. how quickly, yeah, yeah uh, men and women uh, grow. But I, I think it really, and and that's another reason why I'd be very curious to see if the women ever do move up to 8K um, for a championship, and the men move down to 8K uh, for nationals. How that would impact results, obviously. That's the last thing on anybody's mind. We had a report come out uh, last year about talking about that, but it would be I would be extremely fascinated to see what role the distance plays uh, in all of this. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I don't foresee that change happening. Well, certainly not this fall. No, that's for no, sure. There's I think, too much. <laughs> yeah, there's people who got a bigger things to worry about right now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it, it could happen. Um, I'm kind of indifferent to it happening. I kind of like the idea of a, of a whole 10 K, you know, for the guy, I think, I think it's just a little bit more strategy involved just cause it's a longer race, but truthfully, I, I you know, uh, who knows? I, I, I don't mind either way. The, the difference change. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we won't find out about that this year, but maybe that's something in the years to come that could right. be adjusted. Um, but, um, why don't we 
head to the mailbag. We had a lot of good questions that you guys sent in um, the other day. And with in absence of any races, you guys still came up with a lot of good questions. So kudos to you guys. We'll start with this hypothetical. Danny Jones or Joe Klecker in the mile with Danny Jones getting a 30-second head start. I saw that. That was such a good question. A great one. Great question. I I think I'm going to go Danny Jones on this, I think. Yeah. I, th- I think you put her out there for 30-second head start. I mean, that's an entire lap. And she is not slow, you know? No. Um, you know, we've seen Klecker run 355 converted, but I've never seen him run under four minutes, period. I don't think anyone ever has. He's never actually run under four minutes for the mile. So um, I think I'm taking Jones on that one. That's a good question, though. So Jones has run 427, but that was at Milrose where she was just pulled along to that one, whereas Klecker ran his converted 355 solo. So I, I think that would probably, if you're going to say Klecker, you, you can say, all right, he can run a really quick mile on his own, essentially. He's done it before. Jones, while she absolutely could probably do the same thing, just hasn't done it, at least not this year. She hasn't gone under 430 solo. Um, so it it's hard to say, but I, I think that Jones just the the talent that she is would be able to do it and ultimately if she can run anywhere close to her pr i think take this. it's a great question though sorry joe we're nothing against you joe <laughs> still still love you joe um but no i uh, yeah i don't know that's a good question though it's, it's gonna be, be really really tight i'm not sure how that would work well they should do it like we need it we need to figure this out um yeah we'll, we'll put it up there yeah there we go uh next up will cross country be stronger because of this bigger base building phase a, a good question um a fair question something that i've also thought about but i think generally speaking you know relative to everyone else it's going to be no different right because if everyone's going to have the same time to build you know build a base you know a first place finish is still a first place finish, right? It's difficult to compare meet A when you're racing in Colorado versus meet B when you're racing in Florida, right? Like there's tr- trying to say it's going to be generally more competitive. I don't know if we can actually ever kind of figure that out. Um, I, I I don't really know. I don't really think it will be. Um, like I think like people are going to have a bigger base and but like if if person A has a bigger base, well, guess what? You also had the chance to have a bigger base. So uh, I think people just react to training differently. Um, but I, I think generally speaking, someone's always going to finish first. Someone's always going to finish the hundredth. Someone's always going to finish 200th. I don't know who, but um, <laughs> I, I guess we'll figure that part out. So uh, I don't know, Ben, am, am I off base here? Well, it's just hard with cross country to compare like years. So if we're looking at the 2020 cross country season and comparing it to 2019, we don't really value time that all that much when it comes to cross country you're racing to win the conditions can affect the overall time so dramatically that it's just very hard to tell if 2020 is going to be a much stronger deeper year of uh, a crop of distance athletes than we got in years past if it was on the track we could we could obviously tell just based off the time Um, I think what we could see is a little bit more variability in terms of uh, what we expect uh, coming into the fall. We might 
have a lot more surprises. I think we could see uh, a lot of different winners at different meets where there's not going to be that one guy dominating in a lot of aspects because we had a lot of different runners um, building a big base and maybe getting a, a bigger block of training than they would have otherwise. Um, and like you said, certain people react differently to that. And the, those who do react to it well may come out and surprise us. And those who don't, maybe they really were missing that track season. And that could include some of the favorites going in next year. But like you said, I, I don't I don't think we're going to really see a ton different just because it's cross country. We, we don't throw the throw the time times out the window. We're just looking at where you finish first, second, third or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a big time guy during cross country. I think, you know, yeah, maybe those who are running at, you know, like the Louisville classic and are running under 23 minutes. Yeah. Sure. You know, like it's, it's fast and it's impressive, but generally speaking, how many races at the NCAA championships have been all out efforts? How many times have they not been tactical? Um, answer is zero, but you know, like, um, and you know, I mean that in like a limited meaning of course, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to say. Um, great, great question, but is also cross country is just an animal where you can't really measure performance for performance. All right. Next up, online indoor NCAA national championship on Zoom. I, I think this question's like a month too late. I, I really don't even get what it's asking. I know we reviewed this before we started, but it's like are we saying so like we're saying like everyone does their respective event on a track and you zoom it and you just see who wins. Like, what which, if someone's on a delay? Is, so, yeah, which is obviously the details. There's no chance any any small technical error happens or whatever. There, It would just, it would be impossible to do because, like you said, what happens if there's a lag? What happens if someone starts four meters ahead of the start line? I mean, whatever. Like, there, there's a million things that could go on. Ben, I'll have run, like, a 355 mile. And it's going to be <laughs> great. Like... <laughs> yeah but guys uh, it was on zoom <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to go a hard no on that one um i, I don't think that's a that's a great idea but uh moving I, re- I respect the creative thought process yeah. for sure though <laughs> yeah it's certainly an idea um next up don't sleep on wisconsin's recruiting class with caleb brown and evan bishop yeah wisconsin's gonna be like we just talked about them a lot uh earlier in the pod but looking at strictly their team they could uh have a very solid foundation that they're laying this year absolutely and not only that but you know caleb brown and never bishop are two long distance studs but no one like we cannot forget about um the canadian incoming in abdullah abdul abduhali hassan i'm sorry if i'm butchering that the guy has run 147 for 800 meters 147 he's already in a national qualifying conversation (laughs) Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty good. Like that's that's insane. So how about don't overlook Wisconsin's recruited class even more because that this guy is incredible, and they've also got a ton of other really impressive talents as well, like um, you know Oliver Paline and uh, like Nick Hrascot. I don't even Rascosis Rascosis. I'm so sorry. I I don't I'm know how to say that. Name. I'm not even, not even going to try. There's a few other towns in there though, but yeah, Wisconsin's got a pretty solid recruiting class this year. They've got some some really top tier talents, and um, yeah, they should be they should be pretty talent. Uh, you know, pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be talent walking out the door. Uh, Oliver, uh, who are 
leaving and these two aren't going to obviously replace him, but I think they're going to set Wisconsin up for, um, and Hassan as well, set them up really well in cross country and in track for the next few years. Yeah. Evan Bishop, you know, another really underrated name, I think that no one really appreciates enough, but, um, and, and Caleb, just, you know, Caleb Brown's great and all and, and everyone's and he's awesome. Um, but I just, you know, the Pan American and, you know, goes to NXM, finishes 33rd, Foot Locker finishes six, and he's got a 1435K. And I'm pretty sure he was the New Balance. Uh, was he? No, he finished fourth at New Balance Nationals last spring. Really solid talent. And I'm pretty sure Caleb Brown's like an 854, 3200 guy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the case there. But yeah, all, all really solid talents. You know, he was third at NXM. That's going to be some really good firepower next year for the Badgers. And, and honestly, Wisconsin needed this kind of infusion yeah. of talent. Um, mm-hmm. With McDonald leaving last year, um, uh, all in Hacker, I think, is going into his final year um, next year. They really haven't had uh, that like freshman recruiting class that's really restocked uh, the talent for the last few years. Um, and I think this could be what we were expecting maybe out of that like Finn Gessner class um, mm-hmm. that we didn't really get to see that class show their their uh, full talent during their time at Wisconsin. Yeah, and actually Hacker is actually out of eligibility, oh, wow. I, I believe, according to, to Tiefers, and sometimes Tiefers is a little off. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's done. So it's, it's going to be interesting. There, there is a lot of, of scholarship money basically floating out the door though. Hacker's gone. Huar is gone. I'm pretty sure Seth Hirsch might be towards the, you know, the tail end of his eligibility next year. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be a senior next year. Um, you know, I think maybe there's like, you know, Ben Eidenschink maybe who I'm, I'm thinking of, um, who knows? No, yeah, Ben Anacek, he's a senior, so he'll be out next yeah. year as well. That, that's a lot of firepower gone. Um, and I, I think they'll rally. I think they, they've got a you know a few solid talents enough to kind of keep them competitive. But um, yeah, that, that this kind of explains where all the scholarship money is coming <laughs> from uh, to give some of these guys. Absolutely. All right, last but not least, if Kipchoge raced with COVID-19, would he break the women's marathon world record? So... Here's the catch. I do think he would break the world record. Why? Because you can be a carrier for it and, and not, not show yeah, any not go. show any symptoms. Checkmate. I want. You're so, welcome. So so what happens if he does like how bad do the symptoms have to be that he wouldn't? Maybe that's the I, question. I'm thinking this on a binomial scale. Zero one. Okay. <laughs> like if if he has it, if he's like showing symptoms, then he's not breaking it. Um, if he does, then you want to talk about greatest athletic feat yeah. ever. Forget the That's sub two, the like blue game. Yeah. It would be the, the blue game. <laughs> yeah, it'd be the, the blue COVID game. run. Yeah. Hey, after that GQ cover, I mean, he yeah. might as well be just as swaggy as Michael Jordan. So uh, you know, at this point, yeah, we um, didn't really talk about that. But no, yeah, we didn't. Goodness. Oh, yeah. Goodness. What an like great article, but like those pictures were just fire. They're awesome. Yeah. yeah, I want to get those lens, those glasses, those yeah, wire yeah, glasses. Yeah, sick. Those are great. Uh, I want to pair those. Those are probably going for like, you know, $5,000 online. But um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to say he breaks it if he doesn't show symptoms. Yes, yes. And if he shows symptoms, running 214 when you're not at peak optimal shape is is probably borderline impossible for even the greatest marathoner ever. So. 
Um, if he did it, <laughs> that would cement his legacy ever even more, but we will never see that. So, Nope. So, well, we'll figure it out, though. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll run a simulation one day. There you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, that wraps it up, Garrett. I think that was a solid mailbag. Keep the questions coming. We love, we love hearing these kind of questions, the hard-hitting journalism that we all need in these trying times. Um, but before we sign off, we want to make sure uh, March to 50 for Apple podcast, five-star ratings and reviews. We're only three away. Like we said, it doesn't have to, the review doesn't have to be long. It can be two words. That's all we need. We just want those five stars and we can rock it up the Apple podcast leaderboards. I mean, we're going to be number one here any, any, any uh, day now at the rate. we're Watch going. out Joe Rogan. Yeah, exactly. Um, we really do appreciate your guys' support. Um, these are weird times, but we're going to try to keep um, our podcast as normal as possible um, and give you guys the running news that you guys all love and deserve. Yeah, and what Ben said. So we're keep working hard, and I guess it's now kind of the time to, to announce that by the time you're listening to this, we'll have announced Ooh. our... Yeah, here we go. Ready? Yeah. Drum roll. Drum roll. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Our April Anarchy, technically the equivalent of like a March Madness bracket. Um, we are going to do the 64 best men and the 64 best women collegiate distance runners of all time. Um, not, so, not of all time. Of, me, not of all time. Of the 2000s, which feels like of all time, basically <laughs> in my mind. Uh, so of the 2000s, so of the past two decades. And it will be uh, voted on by you all. Um, there were some... Difficult seedings, uh, a lot of, you know, debates, black eyes that had to be had over seedings. Um, but yeah, we, we will be releasing that this week. We'll, you know, I guess, so we're recording this on a Monday. We'll release the details article on a Monday. We'll release the bracket uh, tomorrow on a Tuesday when this is released. And then uh, later in the week, I think we'll begin voting on Instagram. So if you're not already, go follow us at the Stride Report. Uh, on Instagram, and we'll be, you'll be able to vote for all of your your favorite runners out there. There will be some runners that you disagree with. Please don't badger us about it. I know we're probably wrong. We get it. We hear it all the time. Thank you. All right, that's direct my PSA. All, direct all hate mail to at Ben Weasley. I, I'll, I'll yeah. take it all. I'll, <laughs> I'll just just move it from the Stride Report and just fill up my feed. I am fine with that. I will debate the seedings with you all day just send it over to me I, i'm ready for it and obviously we're not going to have this perfect to every single person who looks at it but i think this is it we did a great job the team did an awesome job and yeah. i'm really excited there's some really really good matchups in the first round and there's only they're only going to get better as we keep going on this Man, Ben, you're a glutton for punishment, man. I'm, 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 you... I'm ready for it. I, I, I'm... I, I'm just sitting there at my laptop. I, I've been doing this for a while, and I'm ready for all the feedback. All of it. Give it to me. Yeah, I'm going to start sending you my bills now <laughs> on top of it. So. Yeah, wow, don't do this that. This is great. Okay. All right. That's good. Um, but other than that, thank you all for the support. Thanks for listening. Uh, go leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Go spread the word. Uh, and that's all I really got. Ben, anything else? I think we're good to go. Until next time, Garrett, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.